All right, welcome in to the season finale of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, it's been a long season. It's been a fun season. We've reached the the final episode. Uh, there's nothing left to do but get through these last three games. How'd you feel about last weekend's games or last week's games? Uh, what surprised you? What disappointed you? What bummed you out? Uh, and let's say we'll obviously get into this week's games, but what were your takeaways from Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Uh, I mean, the tournament always delivers, um, whether the bets I was making were going swimmingly or not. Um, I think my biggest problem is a lot of first half bets that I played. I think I've had five or six of them that have gone where if I bet the first half, they cover the full game or vice versa. Uh, that's been very frustrating because unfortunately I've called some upsets, but played them first half and then uh, unfortunately did not reap the benefits. Um, I'm still very interested, like planning to go down to Houston for this tournament this weekend. Um, I guess I'll make a game time decision tomorrow if I actually go or not, but uh, tickets, tickets are more affordable than usual. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I kind of, I'm down for that. Um, I feel like it, I'm clearly going to watch these games as will you. So I might as well do it from the, uh, from the building. Um, pretty interested in what we got sad that a little bit feels like a, a junior varsity on one side versus a varsity tournament on the other side. But um, I mean, credit for San Diego State for just beating the shit out of Creighton ultimately and and making Doug McDermott look like an, a moron for not or Greg McDermott, excuse me. Sorry, a little little guy, but um, for not substituting for like the entire second half. And I mean, Creighton's melt was pretty difficult to take, but uh, ultimately FAU, I feel like kind of deserved to be there. Very happy to see Kansas State's uh, Titanic finally hit the iceberg but um you know all in all I'm, I'm looking forward to these games and i feel like there's some money to be made it's funny you say a jv side and a varsity side and i caught some shit for this already but i i said it on uh the, the big dream preview podcast but i'll say it here too and i'll eat more shit on it i guess i believe that miami is the worst team left <laughs> so to me, this feels like a, a a one seed versus a four seed and a two seed versus a three seed. Like it feels like the best team is playing the worst team and the two in between teams are playing each other. So I, I don't see the varsity and JV side. I see that Miami, you know, is, comes from the ACC. I get that. But I would like Florida Atlantic or San Diego State against uh, against that Miami team. So I, I disagree with you a little there. What uh, I mean, yes, the d defensive numbers don't look great, but um, that Miami team can get white hot, as unfortunately my alma mater did find out. Um, I think also as Houston found out pretty early, though. I think looking back, maybe Houston was a little bit too banged up for me to put them as my national champion in all my brackets. Unfortunately, um, I'm very into Miami though, so I'm looking forward to uh this chat. Well, it's funny because I, I like. If if let's just say for a second, if uh, if Desu plays for Texas, do you think Miami wins that game? I mean, I don't think Miami should have won the game up when they're trailing by 13 points with 12 minutes left. But uh, unfortunately, now that Rodney Terry has gotten the job, um, just I mean, use one timeout in pure Rick Barnes fashion uh, only when Miami cut the, the lead to four points. It's just like really criminal management, unfortunately, by a coach that really was in over his head. And now he has a head coaching job for five years, plus a ton of millions of dollars that we're not going to want to buy out. It just feels like another shock is 
smart situation, but Shaka did it on his own as the head coach, went through the rigor of going from the first four all the way to the final four. Um, I, I guess I'll try to stop being negative about that type of program. I do think DC would have been a huge impact. Uh, I feel, feel like Norchad Omir could have given him some problems, though. I don't know really even what Disu could have offered with his foot situation, though uh, bizarrely, Rodney Terry played him for a couple of minutes after he willed them to the Sweet 16. Uh, can't explain that decision either. Um, but as I think you're probably going to get to, there's going to be a very different situation inside with UConn. Yeah, all I know is from, like, from a defensive standpoint, Miami's first eight points came on layups. And it feels like if DeSue's there, that's unlikely to happen. Uh, but I doesn't matter at this. And I will I will die on this hill. The over the back call that got overturned oof, from Omir oof. to Cunningham is an it's an atrocious call to make. I, I'm not saying there should have been an over the back call. I'm fine with a play on even. Once you call an over the back, you can't reverse that. When you box someone out you're supposed to back up. If you don't back up, the big giant guy behind you will just take the ball. Like that, that's how boxing out is taught from like the time you're, you're literally six years old, whenever you first play organized basketball. So I will, uh, I'll die on that Hill that they were wrong on that call. I, I don't uh, love, I don't love the switch. Um, it, I, I never got to see a replay that showed it was called as an over the back first, but that's not good. I still think Brock Cunningham, and unfortunately for all the basketball I watched, when you really back up the way that Brock Cunningham did, I feel like that is a foul. A lot of times it's called on the defensive player. I still think it's over the back, and that probably if that was the first call that's made, it should have stuck. But, uh, you know, it's another th reason why Brock Cunningham on the floor makes absolutely no sense, and he played so much this year, and I really can't explain it. All right. Uh, oh, and I guess I'll, I'll ask you one last time. We mentioned the the Creighton game. What are your thoughts on the the foul call at the end? Do you, I mean, to me, it looks like a foul. It looked like there was a travel before the foul. Uh, it also looks like, man, in a game where they were just, it was like a street fight for the entire game, 39 and a half minutes to call that at the end of the game seemed odd to me, although I do believe it was a foul. Uh, with the Creighton ticket and some other very big Creighton investments, I got to say separately, um, I was disappointed in the call, but not surprised by it. Ultimately, I feel like refereeing in this sport, any basketball sport, any sport in general, that they're just never very good. It's a really hard thing to do. Um, I feel like the hand on the hip when you're going up for a shot is just something that you can't really do if they're protecting shooters. Sometimes they don't protect shooters, so I can't really explain the inconsistency. Um, but you know, it would have been nice if Ryan Kalkbrenner going up for layups would have gotten any foul calls in the second half and they just weren't calling that. So I see why people are a little upset about it. Uh, a Creighton fan that I know in my life, she actually was very like understanding of the call, same sort of reasoning that if they weren't calling like knife fights earlier in the second half, why would they call that? I think you do have to call it at the end. I just, I just wish officiating was better. And I feel like I, I will die on that hill. It never will be. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. So, uh, all right, let's get into it. And I guess we'll start with San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. And I, I'll start with, you know, you mentioned if they'd called a, if they called one or two fouls on Ryan Kalkbrenner or for Ryan Kalkbrenner, where, you know, we're talking about a different team. But also if, if Creighton made one or two threes in the second yeah. half, it's a different conversation as well. 
And this San Diego State team, when you dig into the numbers of what they've done in this tournament, they're, they're obviously a really good three-point defense. They are the second best in the country, 27.8%. That's a, a, a ridiculously good number. Uh, and they do it in a way that is different than what most modern basketball minds would do and that is they like they don't want you to take threes san diego state doesn't mind you taking threes they just don't want you to take good ones they want you to take it from three or four steps behind the line and they want you to take it with a hand in your face they basically defend that three-point arc and make it difficult for you to get a good clean shot and obviously they've got a couple guys down low who do the rest of the work if you decide to go inside um but this tournament, so 27.8% is the season-long number. This tournament, 17%. And all four of their opponents are somewhere between very good and elite three-point shooting teams. Uh, Charleston, Furman, Alabama, Creighton. Uh, Charleston, Furman, and Alabama, all three of them are top 12 in three-point attempt rate. Like they are teams that live and die by the three pointer. And that's where Florida Atlantic lives as well. They are 35th nationally in three point rate, 44th in three point percentage. But probably the most important number that you'll get is how reliant they are on threes. Like 37.1% of their points come from three. That is 25th highest nationally in the country. And they are outside the top 300 in percentage of points from two and percentage of points from the free throw line. They need to hit threes to have any kind of success offensively. And I mean, whether you think there's some regression from San Diego state's defensive, like three point defense coming or not, like there, there very well could be 17% is an absurd number, but I, I, is it going to regress enough the and here's an ironic thing is that Florida Atlantic played the best three point defense in the country in this tournament and that was Tennessee. They beat Tennessee, but they shot six of twenty three in that game. And Tennessee was so offensively inept in that game that they couldn't take advantage of the poor shooting. I don't think. I mean, San Diego State their offense isn't exactly pretty, um, but they when when Matt Bradley doesn't stink, uh, they've at least got some kind of hope. San Diego State's already beat Alabama. They've already beat Creighton. I I think both those teams are better than anyone Florida Atlantic's played th this entire season. As much as I respect what Florida Atlantic has done this season and what really what they are as a program, this San Diego State team just feels like a bad matchup for them. Uh, they are playing at a level that we haven't that Florida Atlantic certainly hasn't seen from a defensive intensity standpoint. Uh, I, I, I would only look at San Diego state here, by the way, the numbers minus two San Diego state minus two. Uh, I, I like San Diego state here. What do you, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah. So I, I feel you the three point line seems like it's going to decide this one hard to tell which way that's going to go. There's so much, uh, variance in three point shooting, but I would also think that in a football stadium, which is going to be really weird sight lines with essentially nothing but people behind the, uh, the the baskets and having been I, I think I went to the last final four that was in Houston and you know I feel like two point def two defense was so huge and really if you could get easy buckets that was so important um 
I worry a little bit. FAU, I went a little bit further at 31.1% or 0.2% from three this this tournament against really defenses to me that weren't that great. Um, Memphis, I mean, have a lot of athletes, but don't really, to me, seem like they're that in tune. Penny Hardaway defense doesn't seem to be in tune with much. Uh, Fairly Dickinson, one of the worst teams to win a game in the first round, of course. Well, the worst defense in the country. Yeah, even better. Um, Tennessee, it got it was really ugly at first, but then they came back, as you mentioned, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee must be kicking themselves because they should be in this this tournament still right now. For sure. Uh, and then K-State to me, I mean, I'm like as I said, I'm very happy their season ended. Uh, very glad to have made some money on it ending, but ultimately them getting to that point of the tournament was just banana land to me. Um but I think, as you said, San Diego State, I mean, they know they have so much inside. I mean, Nathan Metz is so hard to score against that um, I was a little, I think, mistaken earlier this year, thinking that San Diego State took a step back trading defense for offense. They're a better offensive team, still not pretty whatsoever. But I think what we saw against Creighton is that they have a lot more talent, a lot more ability, especially when they're able to play physically like they are in, in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's really helped them a ton to get to where they are, though you could certainly argue they maybe didn't deserve to be here, got barely snuck by Charleston. I feel like um, those teams that you mentioned may shoot a lot of threes, but I don't think they're ever really good or efficient three-point shooting teams. I think Alabama is the king of that list of takes a ton of threes, but really don't shoot a high percentage. Um, I think FAU is a little bit different here because they do shoot it well, but I feel like SDSU is going to force them to shoot threes. As you mentioned, it's really tough to see a lot of those going in in such a weird type of environment, especially it's the biggest game of any of these players lives. I feel like that affects three-point shooting more than it affects dunks and things of that nature. Um, and I really don't see a lot of options or success for Vladislav Goldian inside against a Mensa, if Mensa can stay out of foul trouble. And as I think we saw, even when like Kalkbrenner was still having some success, um, even undersize a Weka rope at six foot seven seems to be still pretty dominant defensively inside yep. as well. I, I think there's a lot that San Diego State can throw at this Florida Atlantic team. I don't love backing them as a favorite, but I got to say it's not very often that I have the ability to bet San Diego State as a favorite, a small one, sub of possession. So I think I'm with you. I, I like that side and I feel like um, I do have a Kawhi Leonard jersey in my house. I might I might wear it. Uh, I... Let's talk about the offense for San Diego State. Like, yeah. like, are you? Is there any concern that they're like they're so reliant on Matt Bradley, who is such a an enigma when it comes to like at least? I mean, he's been he's been let's just face it, just bad the last yeah. two games and hasn't been great really before that. Like, is is there a concern to you that it could just be a bad Matt Bradley night, and then you, you're worried about where the offense comes from? I mean, huge concern. Some of the shots that he takes, I, I wouldn't like the long two offense is certainly not one I'm in love with. Um, seeing those two performances back to back makes you think he's either injured or in a really good position to potentially revert to the mean and play a lot better. Um, but I also feel like when I look at these teams, the San Diego State, they're trading really good three point defense, but they're still really big. And I feel like FAU is going to really struggle to guard them on the interior. Uh, I don't really see Dusty May switching to playing two bigs at the same time. I, he could do that, certainly. But with Golden only playing 54% of minutes this season, Rosado at 41%, I don't really see them playing together too much. So to me, it's it's like, as I think you already alluded to, it's it's FAU shooting threes. And then I think San Diego State trying to hit the glass and try to get as many points as they can easily more closely to the bat or closer to the basket. 
And I feel like in this type of venue, in this type of environment, in that type of stage, I feel like, again, it's pointing more to San Diego State than I think it would to FAU. All right, let's take a look at the other game, what you're calling the varsity game between <laughs> UConn and Miami. Uh, UConn, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. We've seen it kind of bounce a little bit. There was a five for a little while, bounced back to five-and-a-half. Then there was a six for a little while, bounced back to five-and-a-half. So it feels like the number's about where the market is tolerating it to be at five-and-a-half. Uh, UConn has been absolutely dominant in this tournament they are the one team who you can say really hasn't hasn't really been in trouble in, in this tournament like Ken Palm had Miami at like three percent uh as the, at the low point to win against Texas they were eight percent at their low point to win against uh a Drake UConn's never been in trouble in this tournament like the worst trouble they were in is they were down nine like seven minutes into the game against St. Mary's mm-hmm. and just it, t- turn the switch right like at halftime and and blew them out of the building. What are your, like, do you think that this UConn team, and we've talked about them a lot this year, and they seem to have a, a, a level that they don't always play at, but when they are at that level, it's about as good as anyone in the country. Clearly they're playing there right now. If Miami shows up and plays their best game and UConn shows up and plays their best game, I I don't think this is even competitive. But I'm curious, do you think this UConn, what they're doing is is real and if they're going to keep it up throughout the rest of the uh, the final four? I mean, UConn's been awesome for uh, the entire non-conference, had a really kind of big lull that I think made them a four seed and basically made a lot of people jump off the bandwagon thinking they should be a, a favorite to win the national title. Um, Lost six out of eight at one point. I mean, and I feel like we saw it with Creighton as well. Um, Pretty much like look for these teams that go through swoons that end up never being able to to pull off a good enough seed. And ultimately, yeah, they have a tougher road to get in there. I was pretty worried about the St. Mary's game. Ultimately, it was like the battle of the two favorite analytics teams possible uh, in the second round. And I was like, okay, even taking Connecticut to get through that one, can UConn keep going and and then knock off a one seed, which they didn't have to face and, and all sort of things. Um, can't argue with how the, well they've performed so far. I do feel like UConn hasn't really played any close games at all this season. They've one win that was six points or less. The entire season, the losses have come in the close ones, it seems. But that's also what exactly you want with a team you're betting, especially as a big favorite. Um, I call it a big favorite because I think five and a half on a neutral is pretty sizable, especially against a good Miami team, which I I know you don't exactly see eye to eye with me on that one. Um, I think they're they're real. They've crushed some teams. I feel like um, maybe St. Mary's was that analytics darling that maybe didn't necessarily deserve it. Uh, I do feel like Arkansas was great, but very flawed uh Gonzaga really good offense but that got shut down to pieces and ultimately they took care of Iona pretty easily so nothing I can really poke holes in Connecticut at all uh in this tournament um I feel like what UConn really is is they're a great interior scoring team uh, but they want to shoot the three a ton so I don't really see that changing it here um I think it's one of those games if UConn shoots really well they can of course blow out Miami because they have a lot of options inside 
Um, I do think that if Miami, excuse me, if Connecticut does not shoot well, though, then that opens the, the door for Miami to then get hot from themselves from three. And once they're confident, we've seen what's happened with Houston and the Texas games where they just go off and shoot really well. And then they can, they could win this game. I, I think it's a lower probability event, of course, that Miami wins this game as the, the line certainly reflects. Um, but it, to me, it's like the three point line again is going to decide this one, though. I do feel like if I had to pick a, like, if my life was on the line, I had to pick a winner here. Certainly I'll side with Connecticut based on having a reasonable means to interior scoring, especially against a very thin Miami front court. So that's, this is probably the the best thing I can say about this UConn team, because I, my doubts about UConn all season long have been like, I don't know if they're a good shooting team. I know I see them on the nights that they're nuclear, like they're awesome but I don't know if they're actually good at shooting. It just feels like some nights they're hot, some nights they're not. And that's not something that you want to be counting on uh, in big moments, particularly, like you said, in a football stadium. What I love about UConn, though, is defensively, they are able to adapt to take away your strength. And UConn is elite at defending the three-point line when they need to because they've got good athleticism they've got good length one through four and if if they say okay well this isn't a good three-point shooting team well good news they can refocus and be an elite rim defending team with Sonogo and Klingon and I think I, I'll go back to I think Miami got a break going against Texas without Disu because it took away their primary rim protector and that's not going to work against UConn. You're not going to the first the first eight points Miami scores in this game will not come off of layups. I can assure you of that. Like it, it's impossible. Um, and Miami is a, a solid shooting team, but it, it's so it's kind of like the opposite. Like we were saying about Alabama, uh, Alabama's a team that shoots a ton, isn't very good at it. Miami is they don't shoot a ton. They are 275th in three point rate. They're a good three point shooting team, but it's just not really what they do. Um, I, I've, I mean, obviously beating Houston, beating Texas, whoever you had banged up shows that they can hang with the best teams in the country. Um, but it, it certainly took a lot of breaks going Miami's way for them, for them to be here. Uh, Texas shot 40% from three against Miami. Like that, that's repeatable for UConn. Um, on the other side of that coin, Miami got to the free throw line 32 times against Texas that is certainly repeatable because UConn, like they constantly put you on the free throw line. So my best look in this game is the over. I, I think both offensive have both offenses have some real success here. Uh, I, I do think that UConn can shoot the ball well against this Miami team uh, that they should have some some nice looks against, and I think that Miami's going to get points at the free throw line. Uh, One forty nine and a half feels like a, a good number to go over. I'm I'm with you. I don't have a strong opinion on the side at five and a half. I, I it would be UConn if I had to play it. I don't have to play it. I'm not going to play it. But that's the way I would lean. It just I, I don't believe in this Miami team. I haven't, but I don't believe a team that plays this poor of defense can win a national championship. And we've seen them play good defense in spurts. Like against Texas in the second half, they played good defense. Like awesome. But is Texas or is UConn going to go ice cold the way Texas did in the second half? I, I it's hard for me to imagine. Uh, I, it's hard for me to imagine that that 
you know, UConn isn't going to find some kind of success at, at the rim. It, it just feels like UConn is is on a different level than Miami is. And like I said, if they're both playing their best, I don't think this is close. If if Miami's playing their best and UConn isn't, it feels like five and a half is is the right number. So I'm not saying Miami has no path to winning. It just feels like it's a it's a really tough path. So it, it, it um, certainly is. It totally is a tough path. I think just to say to comment a little bit on your over, I'm a little worried about the football stadium aspect of it. But I certainly could see this going back and forth with both teams making three point shots, and then eventually, which to me then tells me that Miami probably hangs this game a little bit. I actually came onto this podcast with a Miami first half lean in my mind. Um, that I think you've done a good job of making me think that I might as well save a little bit of the profit that I've made this season and let that one go. Well, it's it's interesting because the football. I mean, the football stadium. Do you think that these? numbers are baked in like the the idea that these games are in football stadiums like for totals it feels like they're baked in because if you go back to the like the last several years where these final four games have been played it's over overs and unders are, are basically 50 50 uh it feels like they know okay there's a football stadium we're gonna we're gonna depress the number a little bit i mean possibly i think I mean, seeing Torvik projecting 154 i mean that's a pretty significant difference um i don't have the ken palm number in front of me but um, I think from uh, like, I, I just feel like the the range of outcomes is so much wider in a football stadium. Cause if like, it's really tough to shoot that day, you could have like a really low scoring game, which would be the ultimate. I mean, then again, you're losing whatever you risk, like, so one unit or something like that. But I, I think from, I, and that's another reason I think to speak to Miami that they, if they don't shoot well from three, yeah, they don't love to shoot threes. I think they will be forced to shoot a lot more of them. They do kind of like the long twos, which you don't really want. Uh, but that's basically, I say a Wong's game pretty much. Um, I just feel like, unfortunately, if Miami's not able to make threes and it affects both the teams equally, I think that makes UConn even a stronger favorite. Uh, Ken Palm has this 80 to 73. So 153 points. Yeah. So they, they agree over as well. All right, Griffin, uh, let's do a little business and then we'll give uh, the last best bet of the hoop season. Let's do it. Uh, use promo code NCAA20. Uh, it's our favorite, latest and greatest, best organization out there. Certainly making decisions that are supported by both AJ and I every day, all day, every day. <laughs> use promo code NCAA20. You get 20% off for all listeners of the College Basketball Podcast. Good for seven days from the podcast release. But don't wait. You want uh, our picks for this weekend for sure. Also the national championship Monday night, uh, plus plenty of soccer this weekend for me. I'm sure UFC stuff coming out soon for AJ as well. Uh, so use the promo code NCAA, NCAA20 for 20% off. And baseball starting up. Ah, um, how could I forget? Yeah, that's what I've been spending my life doing the last few days. Sorry. Yeah, check out the new baseball podcast with uh, with Griffin and Scott Seidenberg, my co-host from Straight Out of Vegas AM. Uh, doing a great job on that. I made my first baseball wager in probably three years yeah. today. So, uh, and I've already got some closing line value. So I'm feeling great about things. Uh, as we know, closing line value keeps you warm. Won, won me a lot of uh, sadness this season in college basketball. So I'm sure it'll be the same thing with baseball. It's always good to find new ways to lose some money. Uh, so baseball will be my new one. Uh, all right, Griffin, let's give the people one last best bet. Where are you going? Your best bet of the final four. I'm going San Diego State minus two. I, I feel like it's a short enough number. Uh, and yes, there's some danger if FAU shoots really well from three. But I think I've made the football stadium comment as clear, loud and clear as possible uh, that I feel like FAU is going to really struggle from the perimeter. 
Um, it's possible they outshoot San Diego State, and that's how it goes well for them. But I just feel like San Diego State, even in that situation, has a lot of easy buckets coming inside based on their size advantage. And I feel like there's some hidden value in the numbers that don't show as good of uh, San Diego State defense, which has basically been a program built on defending and make it hard for you to score. So I'll lay the two, uh, San Diego State minus two. I expect them to have a little bit of a crowd advantage as well. Um, cause San Diego state does travel pretty well. Hasn't been to the final four and who knows how long, maybe this is the first time ever. So I expect there to be a pretty good contingent despite it being in the middle of the country and San Diego is not really wanting to leave the, uh, the sun and the beaches. Well, uh, good news. I did a, a long podcast, uh, on the dream preview last night and I gave out my best bet for the final four and matchy matchy. Oh, we, we didn't discuss before the show. We, we agree that that is the best look so uh, p- people will either be double mad at us or double pleased with us from now until next season. So uh, that's no the pressure. game. That's the game that, w- that we're riding on. So, but a great season for best bets on this podcast. Certainly, oh, yeah. like uh, I mean, I, it, this is the second season we've done it, but this season was significantly better than our first season. So, uh, hopefully, made you guys some money along the way. Appreciate you guys' support. Appreciate you guys listening. Griffin, thank you. Uh, been a great season. Uh, it's been great to get your insight and uh, and kick around some some games with you. So looking forward to doing it next season. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's all we got. So enjoy the final four, and we will talk to you guys when. I guess we'll talk to you guys in uh, in November, I suppose, yeah. uh, for, for next season. So enjoy the games.